Welcome to episode four of Honestly Unbalanced. This week we're chatting to Adam Hoke. Adam is a London-based yoga teacher, but he also teaches internationally uh, and also actually teaches online as well through the Movement for Modern Life platform and through his podcast where he streams the audio of his classes to actually over 150 countries. Adam's been blogging about yoga for 10 years or more and actually offers an amazing resource for both teachers and students all around the world. Uh, Adam would maybe declare himself a slightly geeky teacher, as all the teachers I love perhaps would say about themselves. And he has superb intellect and superb knowledge about both the traditions of yoga and modern movement and mindfulness. Uh, Adam Hoke and I are supporting Jason Crandall, uh, our teacher, on his 200-hour training in London, actually, in August 2020. Uh, so maybe see some of you there. Enjoy the podcast, guys. Honestly unbalanced. Adam Hoke on coronavirus lockdown. How are you keeping <laughs> up? <laughs> I am fully in my pajamas. Um, and, you know, I've been in the house many days. You... I feel like I'm running a multimedia studio of doing all this online content. But So how, what are you doing to still make money? How are you still going? What's your coping uh... strategy? <laughs> That's a good question. I mean, luckily I have a lot of online content already. Uh, so that is out there. So I have about 130 audio podcasts and 30 or so video classes that are still trickling out. So I yeah. have that out there. Ahead of the uh, game. But it is, it is scary, <laughs> yeah, because I build my business on on going to see people and teach people in-person mm-hmm. yoga. Uh, so, And I always saw the online stuff as supporting that and promoting that, the in-person work. So it's a little it's a little interesting right now uh, to figure that out. I guess did you when you've been quite forward looking in a sense in recording all your classes and getting the online content out there. I'm not going to say with that in anticipation of a pandemic. But <laughs> what what was your what was the rationale of doing all that and I don't know any other teacher that actually records audio in classes. When I knew when I heard that you did it I thought it's actually an amazing idea. But what what inspired you to do that? Yeah, well, I started because I had given up one class um, because I wanted to sort of consolidate my schedule and just be at Trayoga and be at Yoga on the Lane where I am, and I was trying to to organize myself in that way. But because I was getting rid of some classes and I got rid of this one big class that was always a lot of my time and effort, I thought, well, I have all this time. Uh, I can use this time for something. And I knew that I was I was skilled enough with my verbal cues and the way I presented a class that people could understand it just from listening to me because I didn't demo. So I thought, well, I can record this. I'll just put it out there. I'll see what happens. And I recorded stuff at home before I recorded live classes. Um, and then I, I just started doing it and people listened to it. And I always thought it was for my current students just to keep them engaged with me because uh, I wasn't doing much else on social media. No Instagram. Uh, you weren't Instagram. I, well, uh, well, we'll get into that, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. um, but I wasn't doing much else. I thought, I can do this. This can be my way of connecting with students. I'd much prefer to offer actual content, and this is easy for me to do. Uh, and then eventually I started recording classes in the studio and just putting it out there, not marketing it, not really trying to push it. And now people all over the world do it, which is really interesting. Loads more people are doing it now that we're on lockdown. How do you think people are finding it? I, I guess initially I just your students? No clue. Uh, it, it started, yeah, a lot of my students do it. So sometimes I won't see students for months and months and then they'll come back and say, I practice with you every day. Oh, wow. So that, that to me is exciting because then they come back because I think that person probably wouldn't have come back if they had been whatever busy with work or traveling. If they hadn't had that opportunity to practice with me online, they would not have come back to my in-person class. How do you think cause the yoga world, let's say, is saturated with teachers? There were studios yeah. everywhere. There were teachers everywhere. And I guess this ability to stay connected with students is fundamental. It, it is crucial, and I think 
people are going to do stuff online and they're either going to do it with you or they're going to do it with somebody else and they're you know you just got to do something online but i see it as one of the important points of contact but the most important will always be in person of course and like my thinking there is it it's so good then that as a teacher you well, you can't get away with being robotic you have to be unique because if you are a teacher like many other teachers and if you're just parroting what your yoga teacher training told you to say mm-hmm. yeah then why would people stick with you when there is so much out there on a line often much better value for money there are so many platforms that are actually relatively cheap yeah and you're getting access to very good teachers and the only way you can compete with that is by being unique and also i think building that connection in person i yeah. think it's quite hard to build that connection when you've just met someone on a computer they don't know you you don't know them personally so it's important to build that before you go online i guess yeah and i i've struggled with this you know the idea unique can be a trap mm-hmm. unique can be a huge like stress inducing trap uh, to think like i need to be different than everybody else mm. being authentic means i'm different than everyone else being creative means i'm different than everybody else when actually it just means you are speaking like yourself mm. and you are speaking from your experience and you're speaking honestly and you're teaching from an honest place yeah. uh, and who cares what anyone else is doing mm. you just do it your way but if you think i need to be different and how how many ways can I be different? How can I make mm. my sequence, my class, the way I speak, the way I look, the way I web pages, everything different? That's that's a, an enormous, enormous trap. Yeah. It's, it's that difference between having a USP yeah. and actually being authentic. And of course, you can create any USP you want. I'm the teacher that has a man bun and marla bees and mm. teaches topless. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was I was that for a while. Or I'm the teacher that always gives the head massages and plays a particular genre of 1990s music in class. Yeah. Like, I mean, I was fully that. I thought like- oh, What, I you were the 1990s music in class? Oh, oh they're, they're reached the point where it's the, like Bon Jovi was on. And I thought this is- Love Bon Jovi. I thought this, this, is, this is the end. This is the end of music. <laughs> But now that I've played Living on a Prayer, I can stop and I can move on. But I used to wear crazy vests and like bright colors. I still enjoy that. But I thought I, my thinking was I want to be memorable. Mm. Yeah. I, want, I want to have all this personality. Let me put it out front so people can see. Let me find ways to be different so people will come back to that guy who you know wore the panther vest. <laughs> And That's what they want in a teacher. They want a teacher that wears those pants. People don't give a shit about no, that. Don't. We well, can curse on your, your show, right? Yeah, yeah, swear as much as you want. I guess um, like we evolve from like teenagers to into people. And then it's like the same as a yoga teacher. You go on that journey. You, you go through all the things, the mallabies, the man bun, like mm. you said, until you reach authenticity and you realize that's what shines through in the end. The industry is quite image driven now, isn't it? Of course, because we're often promoting through visual medium like Instagram. But I think, yes, as you say, I think students don't care that much to a degree in that I don't know any students gone to someone's class because, you know what, that person looks amazing in their beachwear. I want to learn more and more from them. If, if that person looks good in beachwear and actually is teaching good content and actually putting good copy with their posts, it's very different. But if it's, I don't, no student wants to go to someone's class just because they look good or because they dress a certain way. I feel. Well, I reached a realization for myself that, that I find that I have to remind myself of is that if people are coming to my class because of the way I look or what I can do physically or how popular I am on social media or whatever it is, if that is their sole reason for coming, I don't want those people. Exactly. No. Those people are jackasses. Get out. They, they are shallow. <laughs> they are not looking for yoga. I don't want them. And that's mm. going to change. You're going to get old. <laughs> You're not going to be able to do yeah. those poses forever. Like, all right, I'm pushing 40. I'm not I'm not going to be the young, fantastic, sexy thing on Instagram. It's just days. <laughs> they, they are long gone. You just get to and a point right. where you just don't care anymore, though, I suppose. When you just, yeah. But you, yeah, I agree. Yeah, but you did care. Like we, yeah, we all oh yeah, care. You, yeah, you do care at the start, massively. So what was the turning point? When did you realise, actually, I don't need to do this anymore? Did it come because you had already found success? I think it just, it you, you burn out on it. You mm. just keep trying so hard. And 
I, I, it's like what Holly said is like you start feeling like a teenager again. Mm-hmm. Like you want people's approval, mm-hmm. you want people's love, you want people's affirmation, and then you, the, the more you desire that, the more I get, you never get enough of it. Mm-hmm. And and I just realized like I can't keep this up. I can I can only offer what I have and you know take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. Um, just takes up so much energy, doesn't it? Trying to be anything other than, other than your authentic self, I mm-hmm. suppose. How because you, you you train teachers, you train two hundred hour teachers at Yoga yeah. Lai and plus other, other things. How do you communicate that to new teachers that perhaps feel that they need to perform initially? Like they they knew they need comfort blankets of some kind. That comfort blanket might be the music they play or what they wear. Yeah. Well, I think it, it's it's. Well, I received this advice on my my first two hundred hour, but it took a long time for it to land. Mm. Was that it's not about you as teacher mm. it's not if you're going to be a teacher it ain't about you it mm-hmm. ain't about you getting your affirmation about people liking you it's about offering to the student mm. it's about teaching what you believe in and i think when you lose sight of what you are teaching and why you are teaching and the meaning that you place on that that's when you start getting into like weird yoga show business and <laughs> and wanting affirmation and wanting all the likes and wanting the huge numbers uh when really success can be all right i have people here who i am offering what i believe into and they're receiving it i can tell they're receiving it and it's affecting their life and that is success mm-hmm. and and the other thing that jason taught me actually the first time i met That's him jason Grundell. yeah Jason, Jason, um, the Jason, uh, was to connect to what I was teaching through yoga. Like, what do I want to teach through yoga? What is it? How is it meaningful to me? Mm -hmm. I think when we lose, again, lose connection to those whys, that's when it gets weird and starts getting weird and we start looking uh, in the yoga class or whatever we're doing for affirmation for people and, and filling up whatever we feel we're missing in our life. We try to get from people liking us, mm-hmm. which like I did enough of that when I was a teenager and I'm like, done, I'm done. Come also, um, can we just backtrack a bit? You referenced showbiz there. And I, I think I listened to a recent <laughs> podcast where you talked about how you used to be in the showbiz industry. So do you think that that's had an influence on the way you look at success and how you teach now and... Yeah, I mean, I'm very thankful for the education I had, which was in in playwriting and and drama and theater. Mm. And I I worked in that industry for a while. And I always see like I've I've had this circuitous path to becoming a yoga teacher where I did all the theater stuff. And I did a master's degree with a lot of public policy Mm. and business. and And I worked in education. I've done all these things. But I've had to realize that the, the, the... the fundamental impulse was I wanted to connect with people. I wanted to give people a space where they can and process their emotions and, and be nicer, kinder, more compassionate people. Mm. And it took me a while to figure out the right method of doing that for me. Uh, and the right method, for now at least, who knows what's next, is is teaching yoga and mindfulness. But I'm so happy I've had all the other skills that I've, I've learned on the way. So all the show business stuff is important that I know how to construct uh, uh, an afternoon or an evening with an arc that mm. feels like you can go on a journey. It helps me create a class. You know, the fact that I can and, uh, figure out what I want to say to introduce something because I've studied playwriting, I know how to make jokes, and I know how to write something, helps me. And all those skills are helpful, but it, I have to make sure it doesn't just turn into the Adam show. What do you put your success down to? So at the moment, you're teaching leading London studios, you're teaching internationally, you're teaching trainings, and you're going to be teaching, if coronavirus allows, the training with Jason Crandall and myself this year. So what do you put your success down to? Of course, there is some degree of natural competence, which you can't practice per se. You you have an ability to relate to people. But beyond that, like what parts of your journey have you had to really work at and what parts of your journey have come kind of naturally? I, I, I have worked hard, you know that, and I've trained a lot and I, I treat it very seriously. 
I think that there's, you know, there's always some aspect of luck of being mm-hmm. in the right place and getting the right opportunity and having the right people believe in you and, and push you. So I'm grateful for all of that. But it's really, I put the work in. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what anyone needs to know. It's like, I put the work in. I, there's many years behind this. There's yeah. many trainings behind this. There's hours and hours of reading. There's hours and hours of study. There's like years and years and years and years and years and years of practice. It's not like, a, it's not a fluke. Cause this you've been is, practicing what, for like 20 years, haven't you? Was yeah, I right? started when, when, I was gonna say my age. I'll just say, yeah, I've been practicing <laughs> for 20 years. <laughs> Do the maths. <laughs> and then I guess a follow, kind of a follow up question to that is, and as an example, let's say you create a sequence for the week. Like yeah. how many hours of work do you think is put into that sequence, both directly and indirectly? Oh God, well, I mean, I sequence for the month to start with. Um, so I will spend, I will spend all day, like so let's say I'm starting in on a Monday, I'll spend all day working on, on, on figuring out what that's gonna be. But, but, yeah, but the work there has been happening for years mm-hmm. of study and learning different little bits of sequences and little drills and things that I picked up on a, on a training 15 years ago. It's like things come, have come together from all the work that I've done. But I think the real work is not just I sit down and write a sequence and practice it. It's that I go in and I, I put this in front of people. I see what happens and I change it and I refine it and I work with, with what I have. And, and I'm always open to throwing things out and, mm. and, and, and just growing and learning and nothing is set and nothing is perfect. And I realize when I've totally overthought what I wanted to teach or just gotten lost in some ridiculous geeky body thing when really what people need is just to breathe and move and Mm. and be a little kinder to themselves. So it sounds like you question a lot in many senses. Like, why am I teaching? How am I teaching? Why am I teaching it like this? Is that good? Are students receiving that well? And I think that's a really good thing. And I think people don't do that. We'll say it's a good thing and not just like me being totally neurotic. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's sometimes like when you can take those things that drive you crazy and and like reframe them into like let this be a creative, productive force. If I if I I can know that it's my instinct to question and I don't let it become this thing that's horrible and negative and I form a different relationship with it uh, and know when to tamper it down mm. uh, it, can, it can be helpful but it's how you, you evolve know. isn't it i think through questioning you can evolve as a teacher and you can evolve what you're teaching i think if, if if as a teacher you get trained in a method and that's all you ever teach and you just say this is the way then nothing can change yeah, i don't trust certainty in no. anything mm. in anything if someone's certain i don't want to be with them no because you don't learn anything from people that are confident well. in what they believe in do you information seems to change just constantly all the time so you need to evolve with it so on this journey to success are there any points where you had a little bit of a oh shit or any any little failures that caused you to question more (laughs) than normal I mean like everyone should know that teaching yoga as a full time job is uh, an extraordinarily difficult thing to do and not uh, not that financially rewarding for most people uh, and enormously competitive and challenging and often filled with lots of like setbacks and humiliations. Um, but that's the business side of it. Okay. So the business side of it, but the, the like the offering a service is you know, like enormously rewarding mm. and, and fantastic. But I, you know, of course there's been like funny setbacks and, and challenges. I remember like early on teaching, uh, a few friends and I rented some small studio space to teach uh, a class in the morning over, I don't know, it was like three or six months and we would alternate. And I remember that no one ever came to mine. But they came to his. Uh, I think maybe a couple people came to other people's, but no one ever came to mine. Why do you think that is? It was just like in some weird random space yeah. in an alley. I mean, it was just, it was just odd. And I remember going and, and no one came 
and I would just, this would be, I was still working a full-time job and I would just go and, and nap. nap. I would just get there and like no one would come and I would just take a nap on some bolsters. Oh, put some Bon Jovi thought, on in the background. Done. <laughs> Why does no one like me? Oh. Uh, and there's, you know, there's all the time when, you know, like early on when, when I was, co- I was covering a lot. Mm. Like covering classes is always filled with like humiliations and 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 just pressures and anxiety. Um, when you walk into a space that someone else has has created many you know, over mm. many years and developed these student relationships, and then they're gone, and you walk in, they're like, "Who the hell is this person?" Get out! Yeah, yeah, want <laughs> you? I yeah, I remember sitting uh, at Tryoga and being in the lobby before I was going to cover for a very, very popular teacher and like a weekend or a, actually a week, a weekday after work class. So like the, the biggest classes. Peak, peak time. Peak, peak time. I'm sitting there in the lobby and one after another people would come and see that their teacher wasn't there and walk out. No. Oh. But then I suppose if, I mean, if you covered there before, that would be really humiliating. But if you're a newbie, then they, they, they just want their other teacher. You can kind of yeah. handle that, right? How, How about how did you do that during the class they walked out during oh it's not the one is it how did you deal like with that first example you gave where no one was coming to your class like what was your emotional response to that okay you said people don't like me so how did you deal with that why did you carry on teaching yoga i mean I, i i wish i could say i had some sort of noble response to that where I, I saw it all in perspective. I think I was just enormously sad and scared mm. that I'm, I'm making a tremendous mistake in in pursuing this because this is, this is tough. And what if people don't like me? What if it never resonates? What if people don't understand what I'm having to offer? But I just decided, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with this. I'm going to figure out a way of making this work. And I have to trust that this does not just happen. Mm-hmm. You have to develop classes. <clears throat> you have to develop your, 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 your student base. My first time I, you know, I got a class at Tryoga very early on uh, after starting to cover there, uh, which was, you know, again, just luck and people believing in me. So just, I think it was like six months or so after I had started covering at Tryoga, they offered me, a, a class and I got this class it was enormously excited you know like ego flying mm. yeah. that I had got <laughs> this class and I go there and the first week I had maybe two or three people oh, and did you expect it to be full <laughs> of course yeah, yeah in my obviously. mind I'm thinking I've smashed it, it. I, yeah look at this <laughs> what I've one. done I just graduated <laughs> from my TT and I have this and yeah and then you, you just Three people who you could be anybody. They don't know who you are. Mm. They don't care. And I just had to take a deep breath and think, all right, I just gotta, I just gotta stick with this. I got, you gotta put in the time in any of this. Mm. I think in any business, yeah, you just gotta put in, put in the time and do the work and be excellent. But I think the other thing is I had to keep reminding myself that, you know, this is a business, of course. But if I'm only in it for business, I've made a poor decision. Mm-hmm. I have to remind myself this is also my act of service mm-hmm. to other people. And it has to be at least half of my impulse mm-hmm. it has to be service, at least half. Otherwise, it, it might be- otherwise, I guess it doesn't work the way you want it to. No, it's like you could be doing with the amount of effort and time that you put into it if you want to work in yoga and wellness and your only impetus is like i want affirmation i want money Mm. i want good business it it's either you're going to burn out really quickly because it's it's tough uh or you you're going to lose sight of why you're doing it Mm. and and make bad decisions that aren't really about helping other people Mm -hmm. yeah i agree it is, it is like bloody hard work. And it's, it's that funny divide in that people almost don't want to talk about money and yoga teachers often or how much money you could or couldn't make. In general, I think. It's well, yeah, in, ge- in, topic, in general, certainly. But I think with yoga teachers, it's almost a taboo that we should, we should make money out of this. Mm. 
but we're, you know, but we so are true. spending thousands of pounds on trainings. Oh, we're putting yeah. hours of work in. We're travel like I like. I'm sure you like travel around London every day. Put so much work into it that there should be financial remuneration for it. Of course, of course, there should. But there's there is there is a group of teachers on the other side as well. I think lots of new teachers think that one class a week, no, one class a day should cut it. The yoga teaching life is just teach a class, rock up. Oh, I guess that's Instagram. Play some fun, nice music. It? Have a yeah. nice flow. Everyone loves you. One class a day. All week and you're sorted. Mm. Well, that could be great if it's not going to be your primary source of income. Yeah. Mm. Which I'd, I'd really recommend for people who can figure that out. Like what, if you don't... You transitioned to, uh, from part-time to full-time. What, why was that transition? Because you said before you had you were teaching on the side initially. In the- yeah, so... Uh, I was I was working a full time job as I did my teacher training and I did my teacher training at Tri Yoga and that took a year and a half, Whoa. so that was just a, lo- a long a long run. The near the end of that, I was realizing actually I want to pursue this and the thought I had was I know that it's going to be enormously difficult in the beginning financially to to make enough money to replace a full time job. So I thought I would work part-time at my current job, which I was able to figure out, and then teach part-time. Uh, and that worked out for a while, and then a lot of life got in the way, and I ended up just going in to teach full-time. And the, that first, you, you, I'm sure you laugh at me now, because you know I don't teach many classes a week. How many? How many? Is I te- <laughs> Two. Two. No. One. I teach, I always forget, I think it's like Six, six, That's a six. nice amount, though, isn't it? I think to keep. But you... I do all the stuff on the weekend and all yeah. the online stuff. This is the way I justify You've it. You've worked really hard, anyway, haven't you? But the, yeah, the first the first year or so, yeah, it was twenty classes a week. Wow. Yeah. What was what's what's been the biggest week? <laughs> I think maybe twenty two. I'm oh, sure you've done far more, but that for me was that was it. Can, can I ask? Did you find ever that you got bored when you were teaching twenty? Because you say you do a sequence a month. I'm guessing you didn't do that when you were teaching twenty classes a week. You no. must have got fed up of teaching the same sequence that many times in a week or a month. Yeah, I mean, it's if you're teaching that many classes a week, you, I think, at some extent, start losing mm. for me i can only talk about myself and what i'm capable of because mm-hmm. different people are capable of different yeah. things. but for me teaching that amount it it became robotic mm. it's like i'm i i'm going to deliver with all my competence and professional skill this class that i planned but my capacity to look at you and see you as individual yeah. people will diminish the more classes i've taught in a day or the more classes I've taught throughout this week. Yeah. And I think we just, we just have to see that, that that different people have different capacity, but if you're working in this industry and working a lot, it's gonna be very hard for it to always feel like you're offering kindness and compassion and seeing people and seeing their truth and <laughs> touching them and being with, you know, like having that moment of communion. It's not, it, it's just a job sometimes. Mm. And that's, I guess, the odd thing about big classes is it's impossible to connect with everyone. But as you become a more popular teacher, you need to teach in bigger spaces because more people want to do your class. And of course, as you become more popular over time, there is an expectation you might earn a little bit more money. And so suddenly you're teaching these big classes with lots of people that make sense. But then it is very hard to connect like you would if you were teaching in a very small studio, five people. But there, you know, most experienced teachers or popular teachers don't teach those kind of classes anymore because they can't justify it financially teaching in a yeah. small kind of community studio. And it's, it's a very hard balance, isn't it? Scaling up in this, in this little world we're in is, is, is interesting. It's like, how, how do you keep the humanity, mm. the connection, but build a business that's going to uh, support you, and you know, and make this you know, uh, financially rewarding. So I, it, it's hard, but I think if, if you if you keep an eye on it, you can still create class environments where people feel like they're seen, indeed, feel feel like they're being held, and um, and I think it's important to. Uh, like I always thought, like I'm not doing all this stuff online. 
I can spend that time I would have spent doing lots of daily posts and things, trying to remember people's names, trying to remember things about people, to get to class early and say hello to people, Mm. talk to people, and just do my best to keep it, no matter how big the class is or what I'm doing, um, a, a, a human experience. Mm. I'm still impressed. Uh, I may have told you when Jill Miller came to Trioga in this huge Studio 5 room, uh, a workshop with 50 people in it or so, went around before the workshop began, said hello to every single person, mm. wow. asked something of them, had a little moment of connection. And I thought we, we all should be doing that. It's like it, we, no matter how big it gets, we're in this in this industry because we care about people, mm-hmm. not people just in the abstract. People with all their stuff, and we we have to keep connecting in any way that we can. Adam, can I ask what is your practice, your own personal practice? It it is always evolving, and it's definitely evolved from the way. I started practicing when I was, you know, early on in my in 20 years ago when I was <laughs> but a wee child. Uh, these days, I probably do active asana three or four times a week. Okay. At home, so or do you go to other classes? Always at home. Mm. It's, it's rare that I go, unless I'm traveling. I like to go to, like, if I'm in New York or other places, I like just to sneak in and mm. no one knows who I am and mm-hmm. I can have my anonymous yoga experience. <laughs> but I, I, ages ago, like doing asana, lots of asana, really strong asana every day, felt really good in my body and was really novel and new and I learned a lot from it. Uh, now, I don't need that every day. Mm. I need different things. I, it's still part of me. So active asana, three or four times a week. Mm. I'm, I do a lot of joint mobility work in the morning. I'm getting older. So I do all my joint circles when I wake up and, and just to try to feel mm. alive well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do weight training. I do Pilates just because I need new, novel, yeah, different things. Load and resistance mm. to keep my body doing what it needs to do to teach yoga and just to feel good. So we do a lot of cardio. So I try to do a variety of things. But what's good for me is that having done all the yoga, I come into all the other different you know, physical disciplines with that uh, sense of curiosity and, mm. and, and really wonder about my embodiment. Uh, so it's always mindful. My train, I see a personal trainer sometimes and he, for him to get me to do something fast is really a challenge because I <laughs> pay attention to every little detail and nuance. Like if he gets the kettlebells out and wants me to swing, it's 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 a tough day. <laughs> Slow motion kettlebell. I, I had exactly the same stuff. I can't explode anymore. I have yeah. no ability to explode into into anything in the gym. You know, I used to be a boxer, mm. and I kind of want to punch the bag softly and you know, technically. Now. Yeah, it's really, it's really <laughs> odd. Like box jumps, nose. I refuse to. Yeah. I want to think. <laughs> about my pelvic positioning as we do this I guess cool. it's a good thing, the last thing about my practice is mm. the one thing that is re- has been really consistent for me is restorative yoga mm. every night meditation I, I meditate in the evening which is slightly odd but that what uh, style of meditation well I started meditating uh, I went to well I'll say I went to the Shambhala Center in New York mm. and like if anyone is listening and in the know I do know that Shambhala has troubles right now, but <laughs> if you don't know, you don't know. It's fine. But I started going to the Shambhala Center in New York uh, about the same time I started getting more seriously interested in, in uh, yoga asana. So it's just sort of at that point, sort of secular Buddhist meditation. And it's, it's shamatha meditation. It's mindfulness meditation, just concentration. Mm. Uh, so I sit, I sit with my eyes open, which oh, is a weird you? Shambhala thing. Mm. Uh, and I meditate on my breath. Sometimes I meditate on my on a, a mantra of my choosing, and I do that minimum 10 minutes, sometimes to 20, 30 minutes, and that's pretty consistent. Uh, and that, on the on, if it's a shorter meditation, it's just to calm down my nervous system. If it's a longer meditation, then you start, you know, seeing all your junk come up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I do that, and I 
teach that. I sometimes do compassion meditations and so on and so on. And so that's been consistent part of my practice. Can we pop back to career stuff? So you, you were at one point teaching a hell of a lot of classes, now about six and some international yeah. bits and pieces. How do you start saying no or like turning down classes or turning down opportunities or canceling classes? How did you get better at that? that it, it is a I thing. I find like, super hard. Once you start, if you well, starting in this industry, you have to be willing to say yes because it's just it's competitive, it's demanding, and there are a million people graduating from teacher training programs or whatever it is. You have to, if you want to get out there and you want to offer what you have, you have to be willing to say yes to everything for a period of time. Mm. And then there reaches a point where you're thinking, I'm teaching a 7 a.m. class and a, you know, a 10 o'clock at night class, and all I have, like, I am tired, I'm broken. And this is the important thing for me. I have no time to plan future things. I have no time to become a better teacher, to reflect, mm. to research, to to develop trainings and workshops and courses and online content. And I know that for a long-term business plan, I need to be able to do all those other things and not just pound the pavement and do all these class after class. So there reaches a point where you need to stop saying yes and start saying no wisely and consolidate that so you have time to be reflective because there's enough no there's like enough noise out there in the yoga world mm. that you need to be able to be excellent and being excellent means you got to spend time thinking about what you do and developing new content and i knew that if i was going to be excellent and develop a long-term business i needed to have that time one plain devil's advocate there because i see a lot of teachers i agree with like almost everything like everything you said there but there's lots of new teachers very really quickly jump onto 300 hour trainings so mm -hmm. I, teachers that maybe have practiced for a year do a training you know teach a few classes a week then within a year we're doing their 300 hour training so it can go too far the other way as well can't it that teachers just want to train and educate themselves too much too soon without actually integrating that yes i think you can get addicted to trainings mm. how many hours i'm a 987 hour yeah. teacher well, I think, you know, it's fine but to do lots of trainings, but you have to ask yourself, have I had time to digest the training that I just did? Have I had time to try out everything that's in my notes, to feel it in my own body? And if I'm a teacher, have I had time to teach it? And if you haven't done that, why are you doing another training? That's just, you're just spending a lot of money. Uh, and I think there's some insecurity to that and there's feeling like I need to I need to be excellent so I need to do all this I need to take take but it's not just receiving information from other people that makes you excellent mm -hmm. it's the fact that you practice it mm, you it. have your own response to it and that's where we get back to this being authentic like if you just do you know 10,000 hours of training and you've learned this from Jason Crandall, you've learned this from Catherine Buda, you've learned this from Bo Forbes, you've learned this from Judith Hanson Lasseter, you've learned this from Gurmukh and whatever. And then you just have that in your notebook and you bring it out and you recite it. And you think, I have all this fantastic stuff. It ain't your stuff. <sighs> you, don't, you don't know a damn thing about that. You, you're just parroting it back. And it may seem fine coming out of your mouth, but it's, it's not yours. Because you have And you have no it. business. Mm. Yeah, you have no business offering that. Mm. Uh, and I think you'll burn out on that too. You'll continue to feel insecure until you've turned that teaching into your teaching. Mm. And you only do that through time, yeah. through work, mm. and through practice. And that's what people miss, isn't it? The actual practice of teaching. Mm -hmm. People don't do that. People often don't want to do that or don't acknowledge the power of just putting in the hours in, actually teaching yoga. Yeah, what's been really, I'm, you might have had this experience, but what's been really interesting and exciting for me going around the country to teach workshops is that I get to teach the same content over and over and over again. And what's intellectually exciting for me 
and all of that is I get to learn how to do it better. Mm. I get to see what works and what doesn't work and I get to repeat it soon after and fix things. And the same thing happens with my, my weekly classes and daily classes is I come in with this content that I think is excellent and I realize maybe it isn't. People look bored or they're, they're not getting it or they look confused and I have time to, to change that and fix that. And I think you could, you could respond to that stimulus in a different way. You could think like, I'm just shit. I, I have worked on this really hard and it is not landing and then feel really annoyed and pissed off or you get pissed off at the people for not receiving it <laughs> or you think I, I can I can be better I can take this and I can be a better communicator I can I can learn how to to satisfy these needs that people have mm. did you ever experience burnout because I know you said you got to a place where you were teaching so much so did it come to a point where you experience that or did you just think right enough's enough now how did that happen for you where you decided to teach less yeah my my physical capacity so there's like physical then there's emotional and, and spiritual <laughs> right like, like if when i was teaching 15 to 20 classes a week physically i was always inflamed constantly oh, had wow. a sore throat mm. and headachey tired um and I was teaching in a lot of warm spaces. I was getting like mouth ulcers. And I was like, what the fuck is going on with me? <laughs> and so I realized, okay, so something, something is too much here. So I had all those physical symptoms of inflammation and just not feeling very well and getting sick all the time. So I knew I needed to cut back for that reason. Um, and then I, I usually the symptom for me of emotional burnout and spiritual burnout is that when I start getting very angry at the students. How does that mm -hmm. manifest? You don't throw bricks at them or anything. Is it the one that doesn't listen to you. <laughs> it's when you think like, why? Yeah, why aren't they listening? Why aren't they doing what I asked? Why aren't they smiling? Why aren't they liking it? I'm funny, it's okay. Like, you know, how how dare these beginners come in when I plan this this you know advanced um, uh, arm balance sequence. Mm. Like when you get really angry at the people coming into the room because you have this idea like I want to teach this I've worked hard on this mm. and you know people should come and be ready to do that when it becomes about me 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 yeah, and, and not everything again. having to be perfect for me to teach what I want to teach uh, that's when I know it's like okay I have lost connection to why this is important to me I have made it about me and I'm protecting my needs in this which is a sign that I, I'm doing a little bit too much uh, and I, I need to reconnect to why I'm doing this. Mm. So that's why I have to take a little break and think, all right, I'm doing this because I care about people. How many classes can I actually care about people? How much love <laughs> do I have to give? And, and, and I think everyone finds their own, own limits, their yeah. own boundaries. How do you deal in class? So let's say you're getting not just when you've been angry at students, but kind of feedback, <laughs> feedback in general. So how do you deal with any negative feedback you might receive? If any. If any. Of course, you know, of course I've had negative feedback, but then it's, you have to remember, like, I don't like everybody. I don't like everybody's teaching and that's okay. Mm. So it's fine if someone doesn't like my teaching and I don't resonate with them. I don't love, like there are books by gorgeous teachers and spiritual masters that I do not resonate with and that's fine. So I cannot expect everyone to resonate with me. So that, that's like me in a good mood thinking, all right, it's fine. <laughs> me in a bad vulnerable mood is, you know, you're teaching a class, someone looks pissed off and they walk out and then you spend the next hour thinking about how shit you are, mm. how you shouldn't be doing this, how why, you know, how dare they, you work so hard on this, uh, and you go into this spiral. And then of course, like usually like when something like that happens, then you find out that that person like had the stomach flu and then yeah. they've written a, a note of apology later. Uh, and it's all fine, but it, it's really, you, you just can't, you can't worry about other people. I just have to believe in what I'm teaching and make sure I'm communicating it well and the people that want it and resonate with it are receiving that communication without mm -hmm. barrier 
and without confusion. And the rest you cannot you cannot control. And you don't have to be everything to everyone, do you? There no. are so many teachers teaching in completely different styles. Can't be. Mm. Yeah. That, 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 in many ways, is a good thing because it means that you can find a style that works for you and acknowledge that there will still probably be enough people in a city like London that want to practice that style. Yeah. It's just like if you try to be everything to everybody, you end up being like nothing to nobody. Mm. It's like you have to just be yourself. yourself. What and people can take it or leave it. So when you find yourself in this downward spiral, what are your tools to get yourself out? I guess it happens less and less as you become more and more self-aware and the more you practice or not, your face is suggesting. Mm. <laughs> well, <laughs> the spiral's it's, it's, always there. The interesting thing is like, the more successful you get, then you start raising the bar. Mm. Like I, I, when, when um, Adam and I taught at, Triyoga this fall doing this like huge immersion with a load of people and you were there for this. I was there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was really exciting, really exciting for me to have uh, this large weekend and you just think like, shit, like people have traveled from across Europe. They've gotten, you know, accommodations. They've gotten on planes, trains and automobiles to be here. I cannot fuck this up. And you like put all this like, uh, scary Mm. scary pressure on yourself. Um, So, you, the, the stakes always raise and you're always having to like learn to adjust to those higher stakes. Yeah. Uh, but you know, of course I get upset. I, I get upset because I care about this and we're all, we're all vulnerable, but you just have to remember that you can't please everybody. And often the, the trick I tried to do for myself is if I feel like I've taught a class that didn't go well, or I've offered something that didn't go well, or there was some some incident, someone walking out, or like weird things happen. That of course happen. I I I play in my head. It's like, all right, what did we do? What did we do in this class? Taking me and my ego and and what I think I was saying and you know all of that out of it. What did we do? All right, we did some down dog. We breathed. We moved. We spent some time on this. We got to lie down for five minutes. If I did all of that, how would I feel at the end of it? Not worrying about Adam Hoke and his fragile ego. <laughs> if I just did those yoga postures at that pace, with the time, with the space, how would I feel? And usually the answer I give myself is, actually, I'd probably feel pretty, pretty good. good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so why am I worrying about like some joke not landing or <laughs> or whatever? And so it's often like, I find a class that I teach that I think is absolutely terrible. And I've said all the wrong things. And like you said, jokes not landing, not that I'm very funny in class anyway. I just laugh at my own jokes. That's probably the problem. <laughs> um, but then, you know, someone will come up at the end and say, oh, that was, you know, that was wonderful. So it's so much about the space that the student is in. If you take yourself away. This is what we have to remember is it ain't about us. Exactly. People are coming in with, I mean, enormous things. They're coming in with all their family dramas, all their work dramas. They're yeah. coming in with illness. They're coming in with grief. And we're thinking they're, they're like, they're worried about how we look mm-hmm. and the jokes we're saying <laughs> and, and the sutra we're choosing. They don't give a shit. They don't. They are, they are there because they, in some way or another, want to feel good. Mm. They want to lessen their suffering. They want to feel a little bit better in their bodies. They're there for their own reasons. And we want to facilitate mm. that. Yeah, you, can, you can extend that completely outside the yoga <clears throat> studio, can't you? That generally speaking, no one really cares. We've all tied up in our own narratives and our own insecurities. That no one really cares about what's going on for us. We have this idea. But no, I think we can just get on with it ourselves. Mm. Uh, habits any habits that you're trying to cultivate or get rid of oh okay it's a tough one I mean I'm always just trying to keep my yoga practice going I mean Mm. it's always a challenge discipline is hard Mm. I wish I could say it's always easy to say I want to meditate every day I'm going to do my restorative (laughs) but that cultivated keeping that habit going um, is always difficult how do you keep it going well, it? it's usually when I realize, like, if I don't do it, oh, God, I don't sleep, I'm anxious, I'm crazy. Mm. So that, that, that's, that's the first sign. Uh, but I'm trying to keep that going. Um, and I, I really, the habit is, is I'm just trying to be calmer and just enjoy what I got. 
and not not always uh, plan for the future. Always be in that next step. It's like, mm. let me be in this step. Mm. Uh, this is why it's good that we're on lockdown because like everything I like all the stuff I had planned a year ago has now been canceled. It's fizzled away, yeah. It's all gone. It's gone. It's like, all right, I'm left with what I have today. It's a lesson, isn't it? It's so that, I mean, there's a lot of shitty, scary things happening, yeah. but it's like, okay, I have to deal with that now. I am left with today. What can I do to feel good today and be present today? So that that's really the habit I'm working on. Because I, you know, I'm an ambitious person with all of this, and I'm constantly planning and and thinking ahead and trying to be better and cultivate this and that and go teach here and do this thing online. It's really I need to be present today, and that's a habit in my life, and that's a habit I'm trying to have in the yoga classroom mm, as well. The practice of yoga isn't it? But it's, it's such a hard thing to do being present in the moment when we we're in a culture of planning. So I guess if anything positive comes out of this time, it's that we are being forced to be present and take things one step at a time. And maybe that's a good thing in the long run. As someone who's really busy, is generally speaking, although you're not necessarily teaching, but you're doing stuff all the time. Is yeah. there any other things that you would like to do more of in the moment? Like activities that you want in your life a little bit more. Oh, I, I wish I could have a life where I just played piano all day and go to piano? museums and read it. You know, like I'm just, I want that life of leisure. That's what I want. <laughs> you must have a little bit of leisure. What's like your fun stuff? Don't tell me you don't have any fun. <laughs> like, oh. uh, no, I try. This is where I think. Uh, so I'll, I'll backtrack for a second. Mm. Like I went to a theater conservatory mm. and which means like, like basically all we did with theater uh, and you, you sort of spend four years only thinking about theater. And then at the end of it, after having read all these plays and doing all these things and just being engrossed in that, you walk out and you think, or, well, what, what do I have to write about? Because mm. I've been in this little bubble. <laughs> so you're know, similarly with yoga like if I want to be a yoga teacher, I have to not just be stuck in this bubble of a yoga world. Yeah, I have stuff. to be engaged with the world. I have to seek outside influences. I have to go and experience. I have to be in museums. I have to be in art. I you know I have to learn about history. I have to learn about suffering and mm. and engage with that and be with people. If I want to be a a, a teacher that has anything. Interesting, interesting to say, say. Mm. so on that do you hang out with many yogis or many uh, close friends well, well just by nature of, of like the life I've led and who I meet yes because I've you know when I I've been in the UK for 11 12 years and I started my yoga training journey on that shortly yeah. after moving here so a lot of the friends I've developed in the UK I've been on yoga training programs, mm. uh, so that that is the world. But it's 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 like it can get tiring if all you're talking about is the workshop you're planning. Oh. You, in this bubble, it's like no, like life. We do yoga to so that we can enjoy the rest of the mm. world and our lives and our families and our partners and yeah. every, everything. I, I I really make an active effort to maintain a lot of friendships outside of the yoga world. Like I don't hang out with any yogis at all, apart from me. Except for my wife. <laughs> As in, Thanks. like a lot of my friends from university, like I've got lawyers and barristers and they're generally quite abusive of me and everything I do. <laughs> you know, I did an Instagram live video oh, the other day and it was just full of abuse. Okay. Yeah, full of abuse my whole... But I think it's, as, as you kind of say, it's so important to be exposed to the diversity of what people are going through. Not just what yoga teachers mm. are going through in their life, but what that wealthy lawyer that's working all the hours in the sun is going through. What the uh, what that person who's starting up their new company is going through. What that person who's had their child really young is going through in their daily life. I think it's both refreshing and really informative to what we teach. Mm. I think it's also our job. Mm -hmm. mm. Should we just be yoga teachers to other yoga teachers? Or are we being yoga teachers to to whoever needs it? And are we trying to understand what causes people suffering? What what is what is the relationship that people who aren't yoga teachers have with their bodies? Mm. 
And I think if we, we have to understand that, otherwise we're just going to keep teaching to this little narrow strip of people. Or if we're teacher trainers, you know, you sure reach a point as a yoga teacher where if you're experienced enough, you just start teaching other teachers. Mm. Um, and that, that, that is progression. That's a thing that happens or has at least happened to me and I'm sure it's happening to you at some point. But we have to teach who we teach to, to be engaged with, I, I don't want to use the word real, but we'll say real people who ha- are in different industries. This kind of reverts back to something we talked about earlier in the as teachers who experience, we're teaching a lot of teachers or teaching a lot of enthusiastic students. And it can be hard to find sometimes some really genuine connection. I know there's a lot of senior teachers in London or a lot of like teachers been teaching for many years who actually live outside of London and they have this perfect balance mm-hmm. if they come in and teach their busy classes but I know a few of them hold down regular classes that they've taught forever in their small local community hub in the countryside or yeah. on some island somewhere and that seems to me like the perfect combination it's lovely and I think I, w- I would never want to give up just my normal you know, after work classes, because you have to you have to stay in touch with people and their normal lives and jobs. Otherwise, you you lose sight of of, of what you're teaching and why. Should we do quick fire? Let's so we're coming on to an hour now. So we've got okay. some quick fire questions for you. And okay. Hyper, oh. hyper quick. Holly, okay. do you want to lead? I'm excited. What's your favorite sweet treat or your favorite like naughty go to thing that you yeah treat yourself with when you're not being healthy? If it, if it was like chocolate covered yeah. peanut butter something chocolate covered mm. peanut butter something <laughs> right okay next question what is actually sacred to you what is sacred to me i think it it's probably music mm. in what, in what I think sense that is to me what i think my piano practice is where i feel like i have the most spiritual practice mm. and that 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 I know it's hard to put into words because it isn't words, but having a moment uh, at the piano with you know something written 200 years ago that is this huge emotional journey, that to me I I can't replicate that in anything else, and that connects me to different worlds and peoples and places mm-hmm. and you know all my life of playing music and that being my way of emotional expression and that. So that to me is, is is sacred, that moment at the piano. That's your like, flow state mm, when nothing else matters, when you're truly yeah. in the moment. Yeah, I mean, th- if you're talking about what my, my daily practice is, I would count piano yeah, as part of my daily practice. What's your favorite Bon Jovi song? Bon Jovi, oh, okay, this is good. <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah, it probably is living on a prayer. Like, is it? And will you sing a verse for us now? No. <laughs> okay, Adam, next. <laughs> is there anything that's helped you, I guess, career-wise that you've bought recently for less than a hundred pound, or maybe not career-wise, but if it's relevant to career, brilliant, if not, fine, but less than a hundred pound. You know what's really great? Just massage balls. Mm. Any particular massage ball? I mean, I love the Jill Miller's yoga tune-up therapy balls, uh, but you can get a variety of different ones. So not tennis balls, not lacrosse balls, actual proper Proper massage balls. And just for me, that's like, okay, I, you know, I've done yoga asana for 20 odd years. I need, I need some different tools of embodiment. I need to shake it up. And those are not expensive. And it's suddenly I'm forming this new relationship with my body, uh, a caring relationship. And it actually feels quite good. Uh, and then I'm learning how to teach that. And that, that has helped me professionally. It's, it's kept me curious and it's, you know, just helps me feel good and not expensive. Mm. We need two more. Holly. Um, a book that's influenced your life recently? A book that's influenced my life. I mean, I always go back to um, Pema Chodron, When Things Fall Apart. Because, mm. yeah, like that's, that. that's I haven't read that. I, I have it on apart. my bookshelf. When I, when I went through some trauma, my psychotherapist yeah. uh, recommended it. I've never read that. And I've got it, but never actually. Uh, I was too busy it's, teaching on one leg. Yeah. Here we go. This is where it's like, you, you gotta have the time. It's a good book to read on, on the tube if we ever get to go on the tube again, just to read something like day. when things fall apart, everyone will look at you with love and, and kindness. And then, final question for me any advice you'd give to someone starting out in either wellness or yoga mm. world? 
be patient oh. and don't forget that it should always be at least half about service. Mm, Perfect. We'll leave it on that lovely note. Thank All you, right. Adam. Thank you, Adam. Have Thank an you. amazing That's one. Fun. Good luck in lockdown. <laughs> what do we need people to look for? So websites, any any promo? Uh, you can go to adamhoke.com if you can spell that. It's H-O-C-K-E. Or you can go to adamyogapodcast.com. It's a lot easier. And then you can find everything I have online. So classes are there and classes are uh, at Movement for Modern Life. And we'll put all that that in the show notes as well. Thanks, Adam. Honestly unbalanced.